Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good evening, everyone. Monday night, 8 p.m., the Online Darts Live Lounge, episode 144. Myself, Bill Bars, Jack Gold, and Lee Boyce are here to talk you through what has been another eventful week for the next few hours. Gentlemen, how are we? Not good. I know that feeling. Yeah. I'll add to that. It's, it's been a long one. Let me chuck this man under the bus here. Oh, I'll get up and do registration. Half Teddy rocks up two days in a row. I didn't I didn't need to attend the registration because you decided to take me up all night with your horrific snoring. Um, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> Like Reading was fun then, boys, yeah? Yeah. I, I offered to do part of Dob's job. Dob decided to do it himself. No blame my way. I've just done the nice thing. I'm but a professional. I'm a, profesh- a one-man <laughs> team. Professionale. And, Jar, to, an- to answer your question, why am I wearing ear defenders? They're not ear defenders. Um... The, my lovely fiance says there's a certain person who's very loud from this chat. Dog by name, dog by nature. He's that person. So I've done me for earphones today. Keeping up the entire household this weekend. Great success. <laughs> um, first of all, let's jump into the chat room. Daniel, how are we doing? Our ABM is in. Kieran, Jack, Rebel Kenny. Uh, Sam, Matthew, how we doing? James, uh, Chris, Angelo, how we doing? Paddy, Jar is in as always. Uh, Big Johnny is in. Adam, how we doing? Yet yeah, rocking the Gezi look. Oh, no, I've got, got to check my DIA rule book. I don't know if they're um they're allowed on this show. You always allowed once until the rules implemented. You know that we all agree. You should can't put a rule in and then implement it straight away. <laughs> Uh, but, but remember, Big Brother always watching. 
<laughs> Good evening, Mr. Porter. That's <laughs> fair. I like it. They they watch. <laughs> you do. My career aspirations don't. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, moving swiftly on. <laughs> uh, look, it's been 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 a busy busy time. All in all, um, the the wheels never stop turning shall we say, in darting terms. <coughs> Premier League kicks off this week um, as well. But first of all, let's go to the Netherlands, the Dutch Darts Masters, Gob's favourite World Series event. Um... <laughs> Phil, Phil how, was your, uh, how was your first trip of the year? We didn't ask. Yeah, that was decent, to be fair. It's not quite ready, is that what you're going to say? Hmm. <laughs> Can't have been that good. They sent him back. <laughs> to be fair, it was a decent drive. It's actually a really nice drive, and driving in Europe is easy, so easy. It's unreal. Yeah, because everybody actually moves out of the way, doesn't they? <laughs> it's only in this century you get somebody sat doing fifty-five in the middle lane on the M1. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, people, people actually drive normally and properly. I've been driving a year, and I cannot stand it. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was a nice Dan Boss, really, really nice city. Um, nice restaurants, nice people. Venue is decent. Um, I've got to say, I thought the branding was incredible from from Toto. It was like a, a mini mini paddy what they did. Like it wasn't on par with paddy, but it was the, the branding and that was was all on point. It was it, it, it was good. I mean, look, they've been involved in darts for a while, haven't they? So I think it's it's quite yeah. a simple progression for them. If we go big in the Netherlands, they've been on the the Dutch Masters last year, which is obviously coming up on the horizon again next weekend. Uh, they've been sponsoring a number of the players for the last 18 months. It's a it's a natural progression for them. Um, but they pull it off really well. Like when you've branded one of the best players in the world as, as, as a dark king, you sort of have to back it up, don't you? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it was um it, 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 it was it was really good. Uh, how are we doing, Anthony? Hope you're good, mate. Great to have you in. Uh, Daniel, it was just easier for this one, mate, because it was in the south of Holland. So getting from Skipple then to, to Den Boss, it was just easier. Um, but I suppose before the tournament that we had some some questions, but some of those questions were were answered. Um, One but, of the questions that Lee answered last week went terribly wrong for Lee. Do you remember the moment where he said nobody Dutch apart from Van Gerwen would win? <laughs> I, I think I said and that. there was no chance of a Dutchman in the final. I think I said that off camera. If I'm right. being honest, I don't mean I said it on the show. So does it really? Well, I count? think the fans deserve to know either way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to, to be fair, I, I won't name names, but we had the same kind of conversation in the press room, and we didn't give them much hope either. So yeah, we're apparently the most knowledgeable people in the sport. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, it was good. How are we doing, Jamie? Good to have you in, mate. Um, but right, first of all, um, first round. There was some big shocks in this first round. Um, and right, there was one big shock. And the player that lost was five from twenty on the outer ring. No, nah, there, there was some shocks. 
shocks or upsets given world ranking and invitational status? Yes. Form? Absolutely not. Look, Kevin Dutch beating Peter Wright, yes, is an upset. But is it a shock given Peter Wright's form at the minute and the way he played last week? Absolutely not. It is, considering we've only seen Kevin Dutch play on TV once. It's still it's still a but shock. Well as well. <laughs> but it's, it's still a shock in his young career. Yeah, like I said, it's an upset, but given the form of Peter Wright, you've just gone there with some major, major shocks. I think the only one you can really say that on is Barney beating Cross. And when you consider he is one of the most revered people to ever leave that country, let alone just that sport, in that crowd, with a player who's then gone, I'm sure it was five from 20 on the outer ring. It was. That, that's the only one I'm going to go, right, that's a major shock, because Rob Cross has played some bloody good darts for the last six months. Nathan Aspen has not. Peter Wright has not. I, I would add Michael Smith into that. I know Michael Smith's not in the, the best of form. But equally, neither is Van Veen, the back end. Obviously, we've seen it across the yeah, year. Yeah. That was probably the, the only other one I'd put in. Peter Wright and Aspinall, it's just their form. I know I've picked all eight, so they are all upset from my side. But we've seen Aspinall and Wright's form. But Smith's hasn't been brilliant, but he'd still be expected to do a job in that first round. Um, so Smith, yes, Cross, yes, um, Wright and Aspinall, not as much. Even then, if you look at the form of them last year, Van Veen was arguably the, he was he was making bigger waves last year than Michael Smith. I know the expectation levels are completely different. It's only really that World Youth Final that that seemed to derail Gian a little bit, didn't it? He had a, a no that first game in the Grand Slam was what did him the, the Grand Slam because yeah. he spoke about it in the last four doesn't win a game in the Grand Slam and then he, he has that battle with Luke in the World Youth and then I think he lost first round at the Worlds as well, didn't he? It just sort of got a bit worse and worse as it snowballed on from there for him. But actually, the start of the year, there were still waves being made by him. There's argument that he had a better year on the floor, etc. Yeah, it was the um, the, the, the the slam that derailed him. Yeah. Um, when, yeah, he missed countless doubles. But look, we'll, we'll, we'll go through. Um, look, Luke Little beat Dirk comfortably. It wasn't either of them their finest hour. But Luke never looked in, in any danger. Um, in that game, to be fair. Yeah. I, I was just going to say, it, there was no real concern. The storyline probably as expected. It's just at what point are we going to see a rejuvenated Dirt or Dirt taking a rest from playing? Or because we know the position he had the back end of the year was, I'm still going to play it as the prize money. He's still going to attend, I think, when he was talking about the World Championships. But the more this goes on, it only looks like it's getting worse. So it's, it's not one of them. There's no fix for it either. What does he do? Does he continue just as of the... He's not going to turn this down. It's a free hit, free money. It's not impacting rankings or anything, but it's, it's not looking good for him at all long term. So he's taking a break from the day in the right solution. Probably not because he look they, they get appearance fees for World Series, so you're not going to turn it down. Correct. Free money. Yeah. And it's low. He ain't, he ain't got to pay for a plane. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, look, there, there are huge concerns uh, around 
Dirk right now because it, it, it's clearly not right. Uh, Luke Humphreys absolutely battered Jermaine Mutamina. Um, let's be fair, Jermaine was quite poor. Luke didn't get out of second gear. As fairly as as comfortable game as you're as you're ever going to see. Um, it's almost Price. Jermaine reverting to type, isn't it? There was glimpses last yeah. year. He started to put it together on TV, and his form was going all right. And then he goes up in front of a home crowd and averages eighty-two and is beaten before he throws a dart. Yeah. Um, so yeah, <clears throat> how are we doing, Mark? Hope you are good, Kurt. We'll answer that in a second. I'll star that. Um, there. Um, how much is appearance money? Depends who you are. They all get different. They're not going to pay them the same. Let's let's be fair. It's like footballers' wages. People get paid more. Um, but uh, going price averaging one hundred and three and a bit against Dimitri Six. I thought Dimitri actually played played well. I think that's the best we've seen Dimitri in a long time, even though it was in defeat. Yeah, nail on the head. The best he's played in a long, long time. Uh, not the same venue, but the same tournament he has won before. He seems to have a habit that, doesn't he? If he goes back in as defending champ or as where he's won before, he, he's good at those runs. The minute he picks up a win in every single venue, or if he wins one of every single major, then he's going to be a threat for everything because he can drop in that sort of form, it seems. But look, played well, going price, again, doing the job in an early round and, and not backing it up a bit later on. We'll talk about that in a second. But that performance from Dimi probably justifies them changing it to Benelux rather than Dutch qualifiers. However, I still stand by my point. There should have been a second one if you're going to shoot all one in it. Yeah. Just in case anybody didn't watch last week. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Peter Wright stuck with the same set of darts against Kevin Dukes and let's be fair, was dreadful with them. Yes. Well, I'm going to check the Twitter account, but they've been forcefully removed. No, they they are. So we spoke to him the day before. <laughs> the, 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 the dart was the same. He got bored and coloured in the rings himself, but the dart was exactly the same. He, he, he took the not... flight and stem and that, but the dart was the same, apart from he had his felt tip pens out. If he's got so much time on his hands right now, probably spend a bit more time on the board, yeah. But <laughs> then the... I know we talked about dirt in a different manner around the form with Peter Wright. It's just, I think a lot of people looking don't really want to see 16 weeks of this Peter Wright. I don't know, we'll, we'll come That's, on to that afterwards. There's a whole section about that. Premier League stars in trouble. <laughs> I've seen it, but still, that's that's just where we are with every visit. It's not every game. It's not every game. It's just every visit. I'm just like, oh, we're going to see this 16 weeks. But yeah, um, we'll, we'll wait on that one. Then um, best friends collided. Probably not the game that either one of them them them, them wanted. Um, but MVG dominant over uh, Vincent van der Voort in, in in no real danger. Now Rob Cross, Roman van Barneveld. I'm still scratching my head. How the did Raymond win this game? Because I've still got no idea. It was five from twenty on the doubles. It was literally the first thing I said tonight. Were you not listening, Mister Bar? But yeah, I completely agree. Crosses. Uh, I don't want to call it a Joe Cullen performance. Remember a couple of years ago when he just found ways to lose, or Dovey when he found ways to lose when he was the better player. That's exactly what's happened now. That that is one that is a statistical anomaly. You look every single statistic: average, tons thrown, one forties, ton eighties. He's better than or level on until you get 
to the doubling percentage, at which point he's five from 20. Yeah, he, he missed starts to go 4-1 up, and all of the, then from there, it was just like, yeah. Uh, look, Rob still averaged 98 as well. He scored exceptionally well. 25% on the doubles and averaged 98. That's, that's 105 if he starts clicking. Yeah. Um, but we'll come on to Barney in a minute because he had a fashion meltdown the next day, but we'll come on to that. Um, again, Michael Smith only averaging 88. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it again. It's the darts. Those darts need to be modified. They do not sit in the board. They don't go through the air the same as the old ones. Has he changed thickness of flight or something? Because that seems to be... Oh, there must be less snap in the wrist or something. They just seem to be a little more floaty in the air and there seems to be... There's a bit so, more movement in them, I think. I I think it's the flights. Wayne was talking about it. I'll, I'll double-check. I'll speak to him at the Premier League this week. But I think the barrel is longer and slimmer than the old one. Because, right. Does that make sense? Yeah. As well, I think the thing the balance point of the dart, the way it's coming, if he's throwing it exactly the same way, or trying to grip it the same way, do you know what it looks like? It looks like he's changed. It's not what's happened, but it looks like the change <laughs> that happens when you go from a standard flight and stem combo to a molded set, the way it's going through the air. If it's offline, it's it's just gone immediately. Like it doesn't feel like he's got the feel of it at all, and. As much as you want to sit here and say, just time getting used to it. He had the excuse of partying too hard as world champion last year, etc. He's been with this set of darts for well over a year now. He would have had these in private before he made that transition and practiced a little bit. Okay, then went on to win the Worlds and had a couple of majors in his bag um, before that. But he would have been given these a little tinker, say that he's happy with them. And then the minute that that change happens afterwards, right, all systems go with them. If they're still not working a year later... It has to be them. It has to be because he's far too good for it to not be them. Yeah, I'm trying to find <clears throat> the measurements, but I I think, and, and Wayne was chatting about it, but I, I think they're the barrels are longer than the old ones and slightly thinner. Um, but yeah, um, yeah. we'll keep talking about that. I'll, I'll see if I can get the sizes up. And then again, Nathan Aspinall, well out of form against Danny Nopper. Yeah, yeah uh, this this is one that he is well out of form. This is the day where Nopper probably thumbs in favour due to how poor Asp has been, but. There is a den. He's done a come into the conversation a bit later on, so I don't allude into it too much around the form of Nathan Aspinall. But it's not it's not been right for the past few months, and it's showed in this day. Um, there is certainly a concern, um, not as big as some of the others, but the form just one does enough and um, not be a professional job. In front of yeah. the home crowd, it was pretty good last time we played there. I think. Yeah. I think he was beaten by Dimmy in the semis and then Dimmy beat Dirk in the final, if I remember rightly. Um, look, I know we're, we're going to talk about Premier League players out of form. I'm not as concerned for Aspinall, and I'll, I'll say why in a bit, but 
to lose to a player who's in the top eight in his home crowd, in his home country, as your, your second one back from competing for the world and whatever, you can write that one off as, do you know what? That, there's a chance that happens. Losing to an outside prospect like Dukes. Not so good for a former two-time world champion and a player that, let's be honest, he's one or two majors away from that conversation about the top five. His trophy cabinet is ridiculous. Um, yeah, Kurt, we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that when we do the bit on the um, Prem players, mate. Um, but yeah, so that was that. All right, moving into round two. Um, repeat of the world final. This time it was Luke Littler who got the job done. Um, surprised, I think. I think that was the last real test, wasn't it? He came through Van Gerwen and, and Price last week relatively simply. It was how quickly can he banish that world championship final loss to Humphreys behind him? He's clearly an incredibly confident and competent young man, and ridiculous talent. But when somebody's beating you in the biggest game like that and has that head to head record, all right, this game doesn't potentially mean as much as a world championship final but in the moment you're not thinking oh it's not as important i'm not going to try but to to put that behind him so quickly get the job done and look during that world final early days i thought humphreys there were times when he looked a bit edgy the same as he did at the start of the tournament those first couple of games when he went in there as massive favorite i don't think he handled it very well i think because he beat littler in the World Championship final, you could see that he was that little bit edgier on doubles because actually this kid's about to get revenge and I did him in the most important game of my life three weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, no, agreed. The the uh, only point I think me, me and you were alluding to when it was on, Jack, was that he was 2-0 up and the one one five had question marks around as he went for ball, first start, hit ball, I think, and then... Um, just you had ball it. 15 and then missed it, didn't he? You missed the third yeah. ball. That's always yeah. going to be his route because 25 leaves 90, so he's so competent to go and do that and then either chase a ball on tops or 50 36. But he, is the times that he wouldn't do that? Is there no? I genuinely think that's his route all the time, and, and 15 guarantees you a dart at that situation because once you've got one in the ball, if you then try and go 25, if you clatter off the dart in there. You're not getting a dart. I, I genuinely Which, think it, it's for the 25 to leave 90. But we've understand only the, understand the route. Yeah, understand the route. But if you miss outside, whereas obviously down to 20s, 19s, whichever other way you normally do, it's just one of those. I'm not sure it's the right thing to do with Luke sitting on with Humphrey sitting on 24. But these are just part of reasons why we're looking at small details now in letters. His performances are that good, but there's just little things like that that I'm just not sure are the right way, but it's certainly an entertaining way if it does. Yeah. Uh, how are we doing? Well, hope you are good, my friend. Um, and then uh, Garen Price beat Kevin Dutes again. Kevin Dutes couldn't produce the same kind of performance that he did against, against Peter Wright. It was still okay, just not at that higher level um and, and Garen Price takes advantage. Um again fairly straightforward for the Iceman. And then how we said how Bar how did Barney win the game against Cross? How has MVG won this one? 
Barney missed three match darts across two legs. One at the ball, two at tops, I think. And then the one, two, four to win it was just ridiculous. Doing the right things at the right times. The, the, you know what? It was sort of a bit vintage MVG. How we done it, the celebration. <laughs> Barney was literally stood on his back while he was celebrating. Um, but yeah, it was just it was just a moment of magic from Michael. Uh which, yeah, it was just a reverse of what Barney and Frost delivered the day before. Um, however, we've got to talk about the ridiculous Barney snood. Because it wasn't cold in there either. It was... I don't care what happened. By wearing that, he has forfeited all rights to be the alarm on this channel. It's over. Big <laughs> I'm going to delete it. Honestly, no more. We're having the Luke Nuke. I'm telling you now. Just getting an explosion. Um, it's gone. It's done. Right. The, the the venue. It wasn't the biggest venue. It was. No, no, I think no, it was back, back. This is where you said, "Yeah, I agree." Not, yeah, yeah. Jack's just waffling. It's gone. Get it gone. We'll talk about no. it. Um, no. We have to talk about it. It's gone. Um. So it, it was quite warm in that venue. So why he's wearing a snood? I've got no idea. Genuinely, haven't. Kind of love bikes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, Brutal. if you were a snood to Redden this weekend, you are not allowed in the building. Title sponsor. <laughs> <or not. laughs> um, but then, of all two players that you kind of have some beef <laughs> on the stage with, Ian Van Vane and Danny Noppet would not be the two that I would be putting that having a go at each other. The um, the phantom dart rattler that they could both hear, but. Neither were admitting to. <laughs> it's the uh, it's the old who farted on stage argument, yeah. today, isn't it? It's neither of us were doing anything. We both heard it. So, who was it? Someone was uh, doing yeah. it. But we're not saying it. But was... <laughs> out of those seven names, that's definitely the one I would have said would have just there wouldn't have been anything of that sort of drama. But <laughs> yeah, all fun, yeah. all fun and games. Um, but again, for was it was he four or five nil down Noppet? But whatever he was, he was pish until then. I think it was five. He was. I think it was, was awful. Five now, um, but yeah, um, semi-finals. Uh, Luke Little beat Going Price again. You always felt that Luke was was in control of that game. Beating Derwin Price two weeks running is worrying for Desi. Yeah, maybe, but... In with, I'm saying, I know we're, spot, we're using the word worry in a different light to the people who went first round, but we thought that Desi is an absolute top elite player. Um, he's got to be a little concerned that he's faced Little twice in two weeks and not gotten near him. Um, in that... We're now coming into the Premier League and the likelihood is they're going to meet, what, on average six times a season? Six, seven times a season? It's not a good one to start with. Um, and then the second one, MVG, again, kept the Van Vane at, at arm's length as well, got in front early and just kept him at bay, which set up a repeat of last week's final. Um, and look, look at the numbers. 
Luke's average nearly 107, Michael just over a ton. But what was more impressive in this game was what one Luke standard was incredible again, but it was the way that MVG dealt with big moments in this game because arguably Luke was the better player, but MVG won all the big moments, I would say. I think you're spot on with it. It was, it seemed like with Torrent form and what we've seen recently from Littler, it was just, it felt like every lad, this is now when Littler steps it up. This is when Littler pushes in, wins it, hits something massive. Um, obviously, I was watching the game with Jack and it was constantly that there's a, there was like a ton checked out. There was then a 120 or 130 or something in there and it was like, Littler will still go on and beat that, but he never really had that moment while still playing at a ridiculous standard. And MVG just just found them last couple of leads to to get a much needed victory, especially on home soil. Well, yeah, look, we could see what it meant to him winning there of all people, there of all places. Um for some for some reason, I I think MVG puts too much pressure on himself when he plays in Holland. Don't disagree. I think his results show that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we're we're running out of things to say about Luke because again, just incredible. From him, he is very, very special, and that's why my my stance on him being in the Premier League changed during the World Championships. I wasn't convinced, and the more and more it went on, the more and more he played the way he did and turned up. But it, it's not one purple patch; it's not just one flash in the pan. We've seen that because he's won major title or senior titles in the WF. We've seen him do it at the Super Series and the fact that he keeps going and going and going is, is brilliant. The one concern we had in the Premier League is it is that monster. And if Nathan Aspinall suddenly finds his form again, he's got a rematch with Luke Humphreys to open up, which we spoke about, would or would they not put him against Luke Humphreys on the basis that the entire world is going to be watching Cardiff on Thursday night. Right, It's going to be one of the most watched Premier League nights of all time, easily. With the buzz around darts right now, FA Cup weekend just gone. The football doesn't return properly before that. There's not a lot else on at the minute. The, the Six Nations starts on the Friday. They're not really competing with European football this weekend. There's, there is no European football this week. It doesn't start for another couple of weeks. There's very, very little for them to go and compete with right now. And the buzz around this sport that that 17-year-old, he is 17 now, has generated is huge. And to go and put him up in a rematch against Luke Humphreys and potentially see the same outcome could then start a spiral or, or a set of results for Littler that start questioning whether or not he should have been in the Premier League. If he's winless after four or five weeks, that becomes difficult to get out of. And then it's like, oh my God, they've ruined a, they've ruined a kid. It's not fair. But back-to-back wins in back-to-back weeks over Gerwin Price to beat Luke Humphreys, to beat Michael Van Gerwen, and then to run him as close as he did in that second final, to beat the other players that he's come through as well in these two weeks and the run that he put together in that World Championship, th- those fears are all long gone now. And he is playing at a level that is significantly higher than 95% of every single dark player on the planet right now. 
And the worrying thing for literally everybody in the world is even Van Gerwen was pretty talented at his age, but he got better. Yeah. <laughs> he got yeah, better. And... And let's be honest, if there is a criticism of Luke Littler's game at the minute, is he has too many travelless visits, but then he backs it up with a big visit later on. If he turns them troubleless visits into tons and ton 40s or, or just keeps the score ticking over a bit, finds one travel, but it's a 97 or a 93, or do you know when he's chasing the, the 19 or the 18? If he starts turning them into mini tons or 85 plus, the world's in trouble. Yeah, we, we're talking about we're talking about a player, a, a 17-year-old, as you've said, who in the past two months three months, has played in four PDC finals, won two, lost two. The two he's lost is average 101 and 106. There's all of those he's played in are finals, the dames we're talking about. Every competition he's been in at that stage, he's got to a final, apart from obviously the youth championship that he was already in due to prior qualification. The other three, he's just produced a ridiculous level winning the trophy or not and he's only the little bit better in whatever spell when i'm not learning to the conversation around 20 30 40 years time but in this torrent period he's only the little bit better and there might be a month where he doesn't win again not necessarily in the premier league when the premier league's done there might be I'm not there, might be a chance. <laughs> there might be a chance he doesn't qualify for the match play and he might not make it into the Grand Prix yet or whatever. And then he might have a couple of bad weeks on a pro tour where there's less impact from crowd or those watching or expectation levels and people get comfortable playing against Luke. And he might be winless for three, four weeks at the pro rank. And it's how he recovers from that. But at the moment, absolutely everything about him, the way he approaches it, the way he's playing the game, says that he'll, he'll deal with that the way he's dealt with everything else. We've seen him put disappointment behind him in the Super, in the Super Series often enough. He has lost Group A campaigns in which he's gone on to be the champion overall. He can bounce back. He's got everything. Oh, 100%. It's, look, it, it is absolutely incredible what he's doing and how he's doing it. Um, we've got a couple of, we've got three clips to play from Holland. We've got one from um, Luke, one from. You're going to have to be more specific. Uh, we got one from both. We'll do, we'll do the little one runner-up first of all. It was, it was a good final to participate with Michael. Obviously, in his in his, on his home turf, I tried. I wanted to win, of course, but it wasn't to be. And like I said on there, he just went hold, hold, and then at the end, he got me because I missed the 170. But is what it is. You put him under so much pressure, but he didn't crack. Were you just <laughs> waiting for the opportunity? It's all I could do, even the 162 to leave 20, he takes whatever he took out, 24, and then there must have been like a 180 to set up a 40 or a 50 summer, and then he just takes out, so he just won't crumble. He's one of the greatest the world has, has ever seen, and you're pushing him to the absolute limit at this tender age. This must give you so much confidence ahead of what's going to be a glittering career. Um, every game last week in Bahrain and this week in Holland, it's just given me so much confidence, and I, I know my game's there, and... If I won the ball in the backstage, it might have been different. I won the ball all night tonight, apart from this final, but here's what it is. He just doesn't stop smiling, does he? He knows he's got them exactly where he wants them. They're all petrified of him. He just doesn't stop smiling. 
Michael Smith's Instagram on the Friday summed it up perfectly. Oh, well, he's taking a picture and behind he's on he's his FIFA. A picture of Luke in the practice room and he goes, this little shit's supposed to be playing darts and he's opening FIFA packs. He's in a room with seven of other of the best... Well, what, the entire top eight of the world are in that room because Danny Knopper's there as well. And Luke, when he's supposed to be practicing against them, has gone, no, I've had enough. I'm going to open FIFA packs on my phone. And it takes that performance from Van Gerwen in the final to stop him. Yeah, it's a, it's a monstrous performance by MVG. It's also probably the first time, and it, we, we'll we then go into it in more detail, but it's probably the first time in a Premier League match where the world champion has probably got the worst draw. It couldn't have happened before that a world champion's got a, a worse draw than... You don't want to be playing him at the meet, surely, and after then the best team. It's a, every world champion's done in it as the favourite... I'm not convinced that will be the way this Thursday. Wait a minute, I'll tell you. But to be fair, I, I agree to a point, but also you don't want Gezi in Cardiff. But believe me. I don't know, but if yeah, you but ask... you want him in the other 15 venues, so it's absolutely fine. We'll get this one oh. out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, you, you, you just don't want him in Cardiff. Um, they're they're the same price. They're both ten to eleven. Ridiculous. <clears throat> yeah, um, I did see the, the title sponsors odds for overall winner, group phase winner, and then to finish bottom of the table. And it's interesting. It's like all in order on the first two columns, and then all of a sudden you see Littler is actually also sixteen to one to finish rock bottom in case it goes terribly wrong. Yeah. He won't finish rock bottom. No. <laughs> Absolutely no, no chance in there. Um, so yeah, that was that one. I thought, but again, I think he speaks very well for a youngster as well, but hasn't had an awful lot of, of media experience until the, the last month. But he, he speaks very, very well. Yeah, he's probably had more than most players. He's had more than most players now. Yeah, <laughs> a month. Um, right. Now we've got one from MVG after winning. I think I play well all over the tournament and I think that's what he wants and that's what he wants to show the world and of course Luke Lindley, he, a fantastic dog player and I like to have him on the two but you also have to make sure you keep doing the right thing for yourself and I think I show that tonight to everyone. In, don't have, I don't have to put pressure on me because if people start to play well, you only have to do it yourself, you start playing better yourself and that's the only thing that comes in my mind. That battle against Luke up there, you seem to really enjoy someone giving it to you for a change as well. Now, that, that... I think he played phenomenal and uh, he had a lot of big chances and his scoring power was probably slightly better than mine, but my finishing and the way how I've finished some kind of legs at certain moments, I think there was key moments. You promised in Bahrain you'd get him and you stuck to your word within a week. I have to win any time that I'm playing in, and that's the way how, how darts goes. And of course, you're going to have some trouble here and there, but that's the way how well, how sport is. And you have to face it, you have to battle it, and you have to keep keep fighting. Yeah, not sure that he played well the whole tournament, but other than that, I thought he was probably spot on. That's not the bit for me. The bit for me is when he admits that a 17 year old is a heavier scorer than him. I think in that He's game, never done that. in in that match, yeah, 
It was, it was in relation to the game, which he was right, to be fair. But it was, it was his finishing that, that dug him out of holes. Yeah. Um, we are going to play a clip from Luke Humphreys. Now, this was a really, really good interview because Gezi had said it. Um, Michael Van Gogh had said it about was what Luke Litt is doing detracting from Luke Humphreys' winning the world title. So I asked him, obviously. I thought he answered it very well. And it was the bit at the end where he says that the players have got a responsibility to look after Luke. We'll play it and then we'll talk about it. It's a really good clip. Not at all. I honestly don't. I, don't, I think that he's deserved all the plaudits he gets because he's, he's achieved something that I don't think we'll ever see again. But for me, my dream wasn't to, to have everybody, you know, go crazy about me and, and be like, oh my God, he's world champion. My dream was to be world champion. So I've achieved everything, whether that comes with attention or it doesn't, you know, it doesn't bother me. I think uh, a lot of people think it does bother me, but it doesn't because, you know, I've achieved the dream and, you know, whatever comes with that, whether it's lots of media attention or whether it's none, it doesn't matter. You know, I've achieved that dream and uh, nothing will ever take that away from me. So, you know, I think that I have got a lot of media attention. I think a lot of people have still been like wanting to, to, to you know, message me or me to do interviews. I just think Luke's had that a little bit more because he's the, the star of the show at the moment and I think that that's just the way it is in, in darts. We all accept that. I think it's important that as all of us players look after him and make sure that you know no one takes advantage of him or tries to you know use him too much because that will happen in, in life. People want to use him because of his, his, his popularity and his stature. But uh, you know all the players will, will look after him and make sure that you know none of that happens. And uh, he's a great kid so you know he's got a bright future and uh, so have I. So that was a really, really good piece from Luke. The yeah. third interview is on our YouTube channel. Um, go and watch it after you finish watching the show tonight. But I thought it was really good. The evolution of Luke Humphreys is is fantastic. See, not just as a dart player, but as a person. Like a couple of years ago, from not I don't want to say moaning, but I can't think of a better word. But every single interview was I think I should be in the Premier League. He was world number twenty six. He just won the World Youth Championship at twenty four years old. And we're saying I should be in the Premier League. And the evolution now to, to be able to carry this and to represent the sport as a world champion, I think he's so well equipped to do it now. He speaks so incredibly well. And he has done for the last six to nine months as well. When he first started picking up majors, he was speaking really well. He says the right things. He's got a great image for the sport as well. And to actually have that, almost that older brother look, shall we say, towards Luke Littler as well, is, is just brilliant to see like you, you couldn't ask for more and if he's the number one and, and setting the tone then the rest will follow yeah, yeah. I, I think we looked we looked at Luke Humphreys and he has had sort of the trajectory in the sports that many expect with everyone oh there's an 18 year old oh this is what he'll achieve next then he'll achieve this then he'll achieve this and one day hopefully he'll be world champion Luke Humphreys has took them steps Luke Littler has took the completely different roads and it is just right to see that Humphreys who's probably been through a lot of bad times while he's took them steps up to world champion is using that experience now to the press and in interviews to say that as much as we are going to compete and I'm sure on Thursday night he's going to do everything possible to beat Lulitla, will also be there if required for anything to make sure that no one's taking the piss with him. Uh, and it's, I think he's done with us very, very well as a world champion of the sport. It may not transpire to be the case or be too apparent right now, but if you look at the last three, four first-time world champions, their defence has been poor because for the first few months, it is all about them. 
And you have to hit the ground running straight away. A couple of right got away with the Masters, didn't he? Smith struggled. Rob Cross didn't really back it up the year that he was world champion either. And if there's attention on somebody else throughout that, Luke Humphreys has got somebody taking the limelight so he can carry on being a dark player. Let's not forget, he has won four of the last five ranked major events. I agree to your points, apart from Michael Smith did win the Bahrain Masters, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Well, oh, everything else, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sharing the limelight right now, the media responsibilities on Luke Humphrey's shoulders as world champion allows him to carry on being a dark player. You're not gonna have to chase for the back end of the year if you've got two less interviews at all because they want to speak to, to somebody else. It's probably playing into his hands right now. The only thing you will regret is that Littler didn't happen a year before because. The impact that he's having on the sport right now, much like Sherrick a few years ago, is going to bring investment, is going to bring eyes on the product, and is going to be able to sell bigger deals, bigger prize funds. But I'll tell you what, you saying that, you saying that, anyone think we've scripted this and we genuinely haven't? I'm going to play Michael Smith now. Yeah. It's like what he's done now benefits us, and like what we're doing here now benefits the other 120 players that's not here. And yeah, it's, it's the cycle of it. People won't like it because he's in the Prem. People won't like it because he's here or when Fallon was here. But what they're realising, um, four years ago before Fallon won the first game, he was playing for what? 250 a game, 500 a game, now we're onto a grand now. So the hard work, like Luke's been putting in, what Fallon did, what we're doing here, the money keeps going up and up and up. And now with Luke doing what he's doing, uh, maybe Barry Owen gets his wish in the next couple of years and a million pounds for the winner. Uh, yeah, I was going to end uh, retirement a bit early, but I think I'll, I'll stay around for a lot longer now. So, Did they make the right call putting Luke in the Prem? Uh, yeah. the, reason, I, the reason I ask you that is because you went in at a young age and you said you weren't ready. That's why I kind of... When I went in, you saw me when I beat Taylor in the World's 20, 2013 and I knew I wasn't ready and they didn't put me in. The quarters thing 2015 to put me in, and then that year I won four, four matches on the Pro Tour. I lost 26 first round matches, and it killed me. It took me 18 months to get it back. And I think last year they said they said the um, interview about Humphreys, he's not quite better. They're going to give him another year, and then he goes and wins four majors. Maybe they could have rushed Luke. Uh, Little should have said it's getting hard now. Yeah. It's, not, it's not just me and Michael. I said Van Gogh, but it's hard Luke and Luke now. But yeah, um, it is. I like that from Buddy Boy as well. Again, you can see the maturity over the last couple of years of Michael Smith as well, can't you? And, and being in that situation where you've won and then you've got to go and talk to the press a bit more, he's what a year ahead of Luke Humphreys, on the, not in terms of age, but in terms of what they've achieved. They both won majors, including the Grand Slam, go on to lift the world title, and, and then they've got to go and carry themselves a little bit different because at that point, you're not just representing yourself as a world champion, you represent the entire sport. And, the way that both of them have spoken there is, is brilliant. Yeah. And it's just a bit that obviously <clears throat> it was Fatima he brought up he brought up Fallon 
as well. He understands what those two incidents in the last four years have done for the sport. Yeah. Which is... Which but if is, they don't capitalise now, they never will. No. <clears throat> no, exactly, yeah. Yeah, I'm when not, I'm not sure. 2005, that was the time to move. There was never a bigger hype around cricket. When we won the Rugby World Cup in 2003, that was the time to move in rugby. It didn't. Rugby struggling two decades later. Cricket's absolutely flying. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. From a new avenue point, we've had a 16-year-old down reach a world final. We've had Fallon do what Fallon did as the first woman to achieve XYZ. It's one of them there where there is going to be moments of brilliance. There is going to be the, you know, the perfect lead that we, the mitles. There's still going to be those moments. And Dart is at such a high at the moment. But when do you see the next one of those to thumb through? I don't know what that would be or how that would even look because we've had the 16 year old, we've had um, the woman that's the third round. Yes, they can be achieved then, but it, the first time of something being achieved is always the biggest. So they've got to they've got to use this time now to benefit from the players still doing that. Loot and so, being the two examples. What you said about cashing in does that mean our darts mania card's going to happen? No, bro. <laughs> that was great in our chat last night. Um, uh, Tommy Johnson around at the minute of Ethan from the sidemen's partner going. How on earth can you sit there and watch that and call it sport when they know what's happened? How can you be a world champion of something you've decided in the back room and wrote out on a piece of paper? She's bang on. What a load of nonsense. What happens in boxing? The promoter pays the judges to call the fight how they want it. <laughs> both boxers <laughs> still train with the intention of going to win that fight. Uh, it was great. Um was a comment here. What's your um, opinion, lads, of um, little winning cool hand? Luke? Um, she played better than him on the night. Um, yes, Jar, finish the story. Me and Jar were still up at five o'clock in the morning. How old are you, sir? Combined, older than me and you. <laughs> Even yeah. even divided, they're still too old to be watching wrestling. <laughs> we were, we were, we, we, it was good. Um, but obviously, moving on there, before we go and have a look at Cardiff Night 1 of the Premier League, there are question marks and concerns of... Before the weekend, I had question marks over four. Three now? Have we got question marks over? I think three is fair. I think I was, I was sat there last week on Twitter going, there's a, there's a clear gap at the moment. That was after Bahrain of, of the top four and the bottom four. I think I put Price in that bottom four when I did it at the time because his history in this tournament is dreadful, albeit it was much better last year. He, he seemed to grasp the the whole point of getting fans on side and how important they are. And actually, he's winning first-round games in tournaments, and if he keeps it up in the Premier League, You'll keep chipping away at points. It, it's those first-round losses that are going to mount up. There are three of them at the minute who are really only going to score points off of each other. Uh, I, the, I do get the price one. However, it's gave him a perfect opportunity with before fixtures are even announced, with it being in Cardiff, to yeah. start well. 
Yeah. Then the fixtures are released and he's putting at the better half of the draw from when we talked about if you split them into fours, he's in the he's in the perfect half of that. He's still got a Darwin winner dane, but he's already gonna be favourites of where he is. Uh it's there's no more of a home ties for Desi than what he receives everywhere else. So he's probably more on the, the top half of the I'm less worried about, but there is certainly a few that I think will grow into the Premier League, um, with the exception of one. So and the worry for the one, I think, because we I think we've all pinpointed exactly the same person who is favourite to finish rock bottom right now. His record in this tournament is absolutely abysmal for a player of his standard. I think he's made the final four twice in ten attempts. Insistent that he's sticking with this one set of darts, but it might well be too late for that. And if Nathan Aspinall goes and has a bad Premier League, he's renowned for being a bit of a battler. He's still going to go and accumulate some sort of points, but he's had issues with technique and his action and, and getting things right. And he might go and change a new set of darts, and he might have another five to ten years at the top of the game to put it right. Michael Smith, world champion, can can go and tingle with equipment. This is the first time he's changed darts since he was 15 years old. It's a significant change in what he's done. But it took Van Gerwen a while to get used to new equipment. Michael Smith is going through something very, very similar right now. If Peter Wright doesn't click very, very soon, his career could be over. And I don't think that's an understatement. I, like, look, it, it, It's a shocking statement to make, but I don't think it's an understatement at all. He genuinely might not recover from this. His form has been on a downward spiral for the last year, if not a little bit longer. Apart from that match play where he's absolutely sublime, I, I don't think we've seen him play consistently brilliant in a tournament for a long, long time. And for 17 weeks, he's well, 16 weeks, whatever it is, he's got to go and do that whilst also trying to find some form on the Pro Tour again. That European Championship, the more and more you look back at it now, came out of absolutely nowhere. He had nothing before and he's done nothing after it. And yes, he can produce that to prolong it. But if he's averaging mid-80s constantly at the minute, that, that's a Glenn Durant-style fall-off. He's, he's going to defend a lot of money because that's what happens when you're in that position. Yeah, look, I, I I agree that right now Peter Wright is in a world of trouble. And I don't see where the wins come from right now. If, if he doesn't win in week one, he's in serious trouble after four. Because that is horrendous. After after Tross, which to be honest, I don't think it's the worst. Tross is coming in in form, but I don't think it's the worst. It could have been a lot worse than that. But then after that, to have MVG, Littler and Humphreys, it would be a huge shot if you picked up a winning any of those three. And I guess the term huge shot shouldn't really apply when it's the Premier League. Um, and the other thing as well, that Peter Wright always used to be an absolute fan's favourite. Is that wavering a little bit? Premier League 23 said so. He got booed at a few venues, if memory serves me right. And yeah. there's not a lot to have changed opinion in that time. So I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the root of some fans again this year. Um, to not have the fans on side, to perform the way you're doing and potentially be in a whole heap of trouble after a few weeks. It, 
I struggle to see the positives of Peter Wright in the Premier League. If I'm being honest right now. And well, he's in there because of two nights in Scotland and Gary Anderson said no. Yeah, but sport them throw up anything. So in the can prove us all wrong. Um however, right <laughs> now, before the dart is thrown, and what we've seen in the past few weeks, and I don't want to read too much into a Dutch Masters and a Bahrain Masters. There's very, very little positives in Peter Rod's game and Peter Rod being in the Premier League for 16 weeks. Um, I think it's Kurt said about Nathan Aspinall needs to go back to his old darts. I don't think that with Aspinall, I don't think it's the darts that are the issue. I just think he's missing some match practice and competitive reps. I think, think they have to be a consideration because he's another who has changed and since he has changed, there was a comment in the chat about earlier, there's more re-grips, which does make you wonder if it is sitting right in his hand. Probably look, when he's when he's on it, he's brilliant once again. But maybe that margin for error to be on it is different. Consider it like a set of golf clubs, right? I could take a, a, a set of low, uh, low handicap, high handicap irons out and play and play absolutely fine. I, I can strike... When, a, when you pure it, a blade much better. But I'm going to pure it one out of ten shots. I'm going to hit my comfortable irons for a high handicapper in the middle four times out of ten because I'm a crap golfer. Poor analogy. But you get what I'm saying? Like The sweet spot is there, but how often is he hitting that? But this is, this is an evolution. You think he... I might be wrong with this, but didn't he win the match play with prototype darts. They weren't the old ones. They were the ones that were in the process of being slimmed down. I think so. They certainly were changing. Yeah. Because it was a, a gradual thing. Um, but my, my, I just think with Aspinall, the fact that he missed, was it the last four Pro Tours, didn't qualify for the players, went out early at the Worlds, I just think that there is a lot of match time and match practice missing. I think if Aspinall plays in the Premier League and then goes on and plays in the Pro Tours and stuff like that, I think he'll be all right. I just think he needs time and replication on the board. Yeah, I I think for seven of the eight players, uh, Dud Premier League, though, he's been in them playoff positions. And I think right now, Aspinall's sitting in between four and seven in where I'm looking at how the Premier League lies. Um, it'd be... He, questions will be there around his start, how he starts the season, because his form isn't currently there. But I do think he will grow into it because we've said it for how many years than about James Wade. He, Aspinall is an equivalent of that in the sense of the battle. You just fancy, if it, that's a tight game, you fancy Aspinall because he finds a way. If he's 5 0 down, he's still going to be fighting. It's just what Aspinall does and it's what he always tends to deliver. Um, and with the match play win as well on his, his bat, he's, it will be in the mitts. I'm just, it just depends how quick he start, how quick he finds his day. Because I don't think he starts it well, if I'm being honest. I just think he'll grow into the league. Well, that's the thing with the Premier League, though. You, as, long as, you win, as long as you win your first round game, two points every week is probably enough to get you to the playoffs. So, oh, if you lose, so yeah. Look, well, there's less concern about Aspinall, A, because his form hasn't dropped off as significantly as Peter Wright's or for as long. 
But B, look, it is a bit of a cliche now. It is one of those, we chuck it at him. He is a bit of a battle. <laughs> the format suits him. Yeah. Go back and look at the last couple of years. He, he makes the top four or there or there or thereabouts. He loves it. But it's it's the one way. You, you've done a look at the, the fixtures early on. And to your argument, Phil, Durbin Price is the one player you don't want to play first week. He's Drew Durbin Price. Week two, he's got Michael Van Durbin, who just come off the back of that win. We're not sure what he'll produce in the Premier League this week. And then the week after, he's got Luke Humphries, who's totally world champion. It's not a great start from a draw perspective for Nathan Aspinall. When we're talking about that selective few at the bottom who are not in form, he's actually not coming up against any of those in the first few weeks. And there is a possibility that after three weeks, he hasn't got a point. I think he will somewhere because Aspinall finds a way to, to that point. But looking at the features on paper, do you expect him to beat Durbin Price in Cardiff? No. Do you expect him to beat Michael Van Derwen in current form? No. The same applies to Luke Humphries. It's how he recovers and it's strapping away and then a couple of points early on. So, where are we in worrying about mine? We've done right. We've done Aspinall. Michael Smith is the other concern right now, are we saying? Yes, for me. Again, and that's equipment based, and we, we've just been over that. There's, there's something not quite right about Michael Smith's game right now. And if I'm his manufacturer, there's uh, I'd, I'd be making something. I'd be looking at prototypes. I'd have designs ready because just ignoring it or insisting that that's not the case and trying to work through it, but they just don't like coming out. They're not going through the air properly. And they've got to go and identify something and find a reason why. Yeah, no, look, I, I agree. It's, it, it's interesting. Right, before we go into Cardiff, before a dart is thrown, how do the eight end up come night six, the end of night 16 in Sheffield? We'll go from we'll, we'll go from bottom to top. So I think I think a chat room get involved in this as well. Are we all agreeing that Peter Wright is in eighth? Yes. Gob. Yeah. Seventh. Smith. Just. <coughs> Derwin Price. Nathan Aspinall. Sixth. Nathan Aspinall. Smith. Michael Smith. <coughs> Fifth. Cross. Price. Cross. Have we all got the, have we got the same four there? No, no, not crossing the top four. Oh. So fourth, cross, price, Aspinall. third. 
Lettler. Humphreys. Van Gerwen. Fucking hell! Excuse my language, ladies and gentlemen. Holy moly, what has just happened there? Two and a half years we've been on air with this show. No wonder he's got ear defenders in. Give your kids some too. Bill Bars has just said, Van Gogh will not finish top in the Premier League. Write this day on your calendars. Well, he won't, because he'll win, he'll win three weeks across the first nine. Now he's there and get bored. Hell has as, frozen the, over. The same as he did last year. They've had a tiff. Did he upset? Did he? Did he not speak to you for long enough this weekend? No, so I spoke to him today. Does he know that you're slagging him off now? No. Right. Does he know? Does he know that on Thursday afternoon that our eight table positions are going live on social media? Does Phil Barnes, <laughs> you didn't know that, but I'm definitely putting him on now. <laughs> um, uh, Bob, I'll come to your point in a second. We are going to do something on this. Second. Littler. Humphreys. Littler. Humphreys top for me. Van Derwin. Van Derwin. Because when's all said and done, he is the Premier League man, isn't he? Oh, look, I still think he wins the Premier League. I just don't think he finishes top. Because there's no... But if there was a bonus... Like there was before, if there was a 25 grand bonus, I'd have him all day long because he, he loves a pound note. But like last year, because there's not, as soon as he knows he's safe, he'll get bored. Um, so, Bob, we only spoke about it today. We are going to get something tallied up, um, like graphic-wise, of all our predictions every week. So, yes, we will. And it's going to include the wider team as well. So there are more than yeah. just us three. Yeah, we're going to do the whole have, OD team. Yeah, we're going to have a graphic ready every week with... The rest of the team's <laughs> predictions, they're going to have a deadline of Sunday night for the following week. Bit short turnaround, but it is what it is. Um, yeah. We'll get the graphic up. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Up on Monday, we'll have two versions of it. We'll have uh, one with all of their predictions on it, and it will show ours blank, and then we'll have a second one that's pre-prepared once we've told Phil what our predictions for the night will be. It will be first round only. Uh, it'll be one point for the correct winner, three points for the correct score. And no, I bonus... think it should be first round and who we think wins the night. 
Did he just cut me off before I said, and there's a bonus three points oh. for predicting the overall yeah. night winner? Yeah, I think he did. Cheers, Phil. Thanks for jumping in, pal. You're welcome. <laughs> he read my message really well, didn't he? I'm, um, I'm still sticking with what I said. The winner, that's the close. We don't need to worry about the winner, but there certainly needs to be a forfeit for the loser. We'll work that bit out. Yeah. But yeah, definitely we are going to do it. But um, all eyes turn to the Motor Point Arena in Cardiff. Night one of the Bet MGM Premier League. The fixtures are Peter Wright against Rob Cross, Gerwin Price against Nathan Aspinall, MVG against Bully Boy, and it is Luke against Luke. So, game one, Wright versus Cross. Where are we going? Or where are you going? Chat room as well. It's so, I'm not going to lie. It's so much easier to just chuck out a random prediction when it's not going to then be shown the following week. It's a bit more worrying now it's going to be shown because this is the first week of our prediction. Yeah. But Cross... Foster's win this one, 6-2. Go. I'll be honest, I was messaging. Who's Cross playing? Peter Wright. Ooh. 6-3. Terrible watch. I can't believe I'm going with Gob. 6-3 cross. Game two. Price against Aspinall. 6-1 going Price. Boise? 6-4 going Price. Are you, are you, is someone writing these down? We've literally I've, just said we're keeping track of these this year and nobody's writing them down. I've got mine down. I haven't got anyone else. I'll watch, it, I'll watch it back and when I make the graphic. All right, because I've already forgot. 6-3, um, <laughs> going price. MVG against Smith. 6-4, Miguel van Herwin. Boise. Six three. Michael Van Derwin. Six two. Michael Van Gerwen. Littler against Humphreys. Um Loop. Humphreys, 6-4. Go. Littler, 6-3. Humphreys, 6-5. Who wins night one in Cardiff? Michael Van Derwin. Beats Derwin Price in the final. But I know we're only doing winner for our. Yeah, yeah. But it does, but for me, MVG will beat Price in the final. Gob? Let's go early. 
and at the risk of using a wrestling ref wrestling phrase with an RKO out of nowhere, Robert Cross. The only man that is going under the radar. Humphreys beats Price in the final. It was a bit same earlier in our prediction, so I'm quite happy that we've all done for different winners. Yeah, we've, 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 all, gone, <laughs> we've, we've all gone different. Uh, yeah, Humphrey, Humphreys to beat Price in the final for me. Chat room, what are you saying? Who wins overall? Come and get involved. Uh, Littler, Gezi, Price, but Humphreys from Rebel County. Keep them coming in, everyone. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, and I'm interested to see the viewing figures as well when they're released off the back of everything that we've seen recently. Um, you could tell as well that there's a massive boom because in Holland at the weekend, it was on Viaplay and RTL. RTL being back is huge. I believe they've got Dutch Open coverage this weekend as well. Yeah, but the the, the PDC stuff, this was for a one mm. tournament only, which I believe Toto negotiated. Yeah. There is a massive boom because I've, for the first time that I can remember, looking at tickets for the Premier League in Birmingham have nearly sold out, if already sold out, and that's never happened because that's the most, or one of the most soulless Premier League venues ever. Yeah, so the little effects are certainly worked there. And I think, as, was there about 11 of the venues sold out already or something yeah, it's, ridiculous it's to put on? Me mental. Absolutely mental. So from the Premier League, we are going to go to Reading. Um, I'm not going to lie, chaps. I didn't see fuck all of it. So it's down to you to tell us, tell the viewers what happened in the seniors. All right. But when I haven't watched any of the Dutch Darts Mars and just waffled through it for half an hour, I, I never say I've never watched any of it, but you just throw us under the bus every week. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure how that's fair to be honest there's one or two in the chat that might have expected me and Lee were chatting absolute nonsense and we saw the odd clip when we looked up but the rest of them had no idea <laughs> um, yeah but to be fair I, could, I, I had no way of watching any of it either <laughs> our lord and saviour what a system what an absolute <laughs> fact Honestly, I, I, I sit and press one button like every 20 minutes and everyone goes, you're well good at this. Cheers, boys. <laughs> I, I, I sit and press one button as well, but different title. Tweet. <laughs> no, I mean on Dark to Net. Um, again, five events across the weekend, two or three ranking events, two qualifiers. Correct. Good to see that. Uh, first of all, good to see some of the big boys turn up. Those that had already... Been invited to the World Championship, come to play the ranking events, works of Kev Painter, <coughs> Andy Hamilton, Mark Dubbridge, Robert Thornton, John Henderson making the trip down from Scotland. Um, <coughs> and it, it made for some fierce competition in there as well. The first tournament of the weekend won by Richie Housen back in yeah. the winner's circle. It's, it's been a while. It's his first non-qualifier win since, what did you say, the summer July, of 23? July 22. Yeah, I think that was Shield Bottle. Absolutely miles. I know he's won qualified since then, but yeah, it's nice to see he's remembered he's not just a snooker player anymore and he is still a dark player. And he's been threatening that the weekend before as well. 
Um, perfectly good to, to see him hitting that form ahead of the World Championships. He is one of those players that he walks into the tavern with a lot of pressure and expectation. Now he's, he's been there twice. He made the final last year. He is the home crowd favourite. That Friday night was magnificent last year. The Saturday to play Phil Taylor in front of a crowd that was equally as loud and busy. There's, there's, there's a lot on Richie right now. And to, to see him delivering darts a couple of weeks before that is, is brilliant. Um, who won the next one? A long time ago, uh, Mr. Nick Fullwell, and he will hate you for saying that. He will, he's, he's even that. watching as well. Hello, Nicholas. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he, he's brilliant. Rocked up on debut, uh, wins an event, moved through the field really, really nicely. Um, when he says I've only entered on Wednesday and it's one of the best things I've done in that short space of time, and turn around, it knows you, you're putting together the right sort of environment and atmosphere for these guys to, to go and play darts, and that the levels that some of them were producing were were absolutely ridiculous. Uh, the next ranking event then won by John Henderson. Yeah. Correct. Saturday morning. Correct. Yeah, Saturday yeah. morning, last one that he could have played in as well. So made the trip a bit more worthwhile for him to come down. Like, he was brilliant in the opening event before he lost to Richie in that final. He, he played pretty solid all weekend. And I think when John played last year, it was off the back of disappointment of not being a tour card holder and still with a lot of ambition and, and attention to try and go and get that tour card back. <laughs> that was his aspiration. He said that from the start. He then walks into a room where he's got to play qualifiers that are also ranking events and perhaps wasn't as comfortable doing that to some people and then walks into a room where he's not played any of these guys in years and is installed as one of the favourites immediately because he just come off the tour. And I'm not sure that suited Hendo either, but actually... I think like, it would be disappointing to have not got a tour card again. He still believes he's good enough to go and play at that level and aspires to still play at that level. But the fact that it's now been 18 months or, or two seasons now, two attempts at Q score to get that card, I think he was much more prepared to know that this was a backup option and he's treated it properly, walked in the room in good form and will turn up to the tavern better for it in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, I'll just add to that. I think probably the moment of the weekend came in this event, in the last 16, when Thornton and Henderson were in separate last-led deciders and Thornton pinned in a 1-6-1-12 dart-led while Derek Tholson was sat in a double and John Henderson did a 15 dart-led. Whoever did it with a one seventy finish within about 30 seconds of each other was just moments of utter brilliance by the Thornton John Henderson, but equally shows the quality in the field that they had to produce those moments of magic to go and win those games. But Henderson was mustered in the, this open event. Um, just before that, uh, Tommy, thanks for the super sticker, mate. Massively appreciate it. Indeed. Uh, so then on to the qualifiers. The first one won by Paul Hogan. Uh, Paul Hogan has been ridiculous since he joined. He, he missed the first three or four events in the first season. Uh, but to have gone quietly about his business, to be honest. He qualified for the match play twice. First time was beaten by Lisa Ashton in Hull, uh, made the semi-finals last time, but that was sort of overshadowed by the fact that Gates had then won three in a row and that McEwen had made the final on debut. On the floor, he's been absolutely ridiculously solid. It's quarterfinal, semi-final, over and over and over and over again. He was virtually there on the points list without being mathematically secure. He's one or two wins to guarantee it next weekend. Um, but used the qualifier for what it's there for. Booked his spot there. Um, was brilliant all day. Was was solid in the final. Opened up a big lead early. 
at this point, I think we have to give a shout out and you have to feel sorry for Matt Clark. Now, that was his fifth qualifying TV, uh, his fifth final in a TV qualifier in two years and he's been beaten in all of them. Um, hard to take and, and hard to see, to be honest, from us seeing him go so close so often. Someone else has been so consistent, so supportive of the tour, being at virtually every single event as well. So, yeah, look, Matt Clark will get there at some point, but Saturday was Paul Hogan's day and he'll be at the Circus Tavern uh, where if he brings his floor game to the TV, he's got a real chance. The issue is how often that translates in front of the cameras. We've seen that in the WF or the BDO system. We've seen that in the UK. We saw glimpses the other year when he beat Gary Anderson the same year as Barry Lynn, the Dustman. And, and I think that was Rob Cross's year as well, wasn't it? We had all three of those yeah. stories going on at once. Um, yeah, so if, if he gets going, he, he can be a real threat. Uh, and then the final qualifier won by... Jim McEwen uh, beating Richard Irrigan, one of the most intense finals I think I've, I've refereed up there. We've had some in stages. Uh, this one played just on a floor environment, but every leg with throw, five of the first six legs, one with ton plus checkouts. Both of them play at quite a methodical pace, so there is intensity there. It's not swinging one way or the other. They're not blistering legs away from each other. Um, and Jim held his nerve. Eric, uh, Richard Rowland's had two match darts. He had 63, went 25 uh, to leave himself two darts in hand at double 19, missed both from on the outside. And and Jim cleaned up and, and booked his spot at the Worlds. Um, again, someone that, to travel down from Scotland constantly to events that are always based in the South where they are, uh, to commit to to chasing the seniors. He, he said that in his in his interview at the end that, that he, went to, he went to Q school. He's happy with playing at Challenge Tour, but he wants to commit to the seniors and then have another crack. He had that taste of what can happen when he made the final in York last year, and he wants more of that. And everyone, incredibly nice person, incredibly nice bloke. We've had him on the show before. I get on really well with him and, and his partner personally. And he sums up the atmosphere in the room that the first person to congratulate him is, is the man he beat in the final. Constantly, it just happens like that. It was it's so brilliant and humble to see from all of them. But yeah, look, Jim will be a threat there as well. We've seen him at the Lakeside before. We saw him in that final last year as well. He's he's getting more and more opportunities on TV. He's becoming more more comfortable. Let's think he walked into the Super Series and is the man that, that took the mantle from Luke Littler. Basically, he's not going to be there to defend it this time. I don't think he's <coughs> ultimately revel in being the favourite in a room, but. In that room, with all those names and all those qualifiers in the manner that they're doing it, with Richie Housen in his backyard, with Hogan dominating the floor events, with Jim Long from Canada and having played in PDC TV events, with Taylor's last year and everything else going on, there's a good chance Jim gets the perfect opportunity to go under the radar, which is exactly how he loves it. Until I've just said that in front of God knows how many people are watching. Yeah. Um how are we doing, Preston? Hope you are good. Uh, how are we doing, Wicked Darts Cast? I'm guessing it's loud. All right. I, no, I'm, Darren, I'm, right. I'm just listening to, to, to Goldman. I was just doing some other bits whilst he was chatting. I was listening. What you said there, obviously, what is there? What, two more slots, two more qualifiers to go, correct? Yes. Yeah. Uh, with the strength of qualifier, there is a real danger, I think, that Phil Taylor's last year is going to go and instead of this dream send-off, this could be a nightmare. It could. 
I guess that's the issue of announcing it the way that he has and saying he's got one more year. It's the way that he did it in the PDC and, and look how that ended. A match played title and a run to the World Championship final. I guess ultimately, look, the standard has been solid on the floor from the qualifiers for the last couple of years. The overall standard is getting better and better on those floor events because we're getting more and more players that can produce that level. But if you look at the top level we're seeing on that tour, we're seeing the similar amount of ton plus averages. We're seeing similar quality, right? Mark Dubridge has rocked up and banged in nine, nine data for the first time in, in Newbury last time out. The players that are qualifying are of similar level or, or slightly increased from where they were when they qualified before. It's up to Phil to go and match that. And it has been up to Phil to go and match that for the last two years. He's known what level he needs to achieve. He, he may have been undercooked the very, very first time. Everything we see now and how well this final year of Phil's goes is entirely dependent on Phil. And what you don't want is him to just roll over and go, right, I'm here, I'm done. And, and give it a nice little wave as he walks on at four venues and plays four games for the season. Because the man's legacy is worth far more than that. It is, but the way we've seen it recently, that's what it could be. I, there's yeah. a genuinely concern that he doesn't, doesn't win a game on his final year. Yeah. I guess at that point, again, that's on Phil, isn't it? The platform is there for Phil to go out in a manner that is worthy of the greatest player of all time, in my opinion. I'm not getting into that debate with you about Mark Van Gerwen right now, but he's certainly right in that conversation. The, the way that he carried the sport for, for so, so long in an era of dominance will probably never be seen again, even when we're talking about a 17-year-old who is absolutely changing the face of the sport as we speak right now. The chances of him going and doing what Phil Taylor had done in his career are very, very slim. And yes, he had the big send-off from the PDC. He's been a massive part of what the seniors have done for the last two years. He's, he's the name and the face that all the old fans recognise. Look, there'll be people that are local or other dark players you remember, but everybody in the world knew who Phil Taylor was. And he's, he's got that right now to go out on his terms for the last year. And how well that goes is completely up to Phil. His, Darren, his, his entire legacy isn't dependent on how he performs in the seniors. But if he ends three years with a little bit of a whimper, having made two finals in the first year, let's not forget that. He did make two finals in that first year, beaten by David Cameron in the Masters and Robert Thornton in the match play. Wasn't his brilliant best, but there were signs that it's still there for Phil. But it yeah, would... Uh a block, wouldn't it, at the end? And he might look back in a couple of years and go, look, I was given a second chance here to go and do something special for a couple of years. Did it go the way that I wanted it to? No. Yeah, it will be that. Yeah. It'll it'll be interesting. But two spots left at the Tavern and they will be decided this coming weekend. So that should be interesting. Uh, Anything else from Reading, boys, or was that it? don't think so. Yeah, I think that's it. For this one, obviously, you yeah. said there's two more spots. There's still, this weekend, there's still uh, order of merit to play for this weekend. All, all the different outcomes that, that happen there with the qualifiers happening afterwards, there'll be a cut-off due to the players who are already in the draw or already qualified through the order of merit will come out then ready for the qualifiers. So this weekend is slightly different to the other two we've just had. 
that it would be open to anyone who's not been invited. Um, so it will be a slightly different weekend because there is a constant look at that rankings table to see who qualifies, even more so now with Paul Holden down through at number one. Who's top so of those two tables? Uh, so Paul Holden, Mike Huntley, and then Darren Johnson, Richie Housen, sorry, Richie, and then yeah, Darren, Darren Johnson is yeah. the order of is the top four. So with Richie, you're best of playing this job. Yeah, DJ would then potentially miss out, but DJ's fighting, and there's a reason, bolt of players underneath who are in breach with three tournaments to the. So there's yeah. probably seven or eight who can make that top two. Interesting. Um, Modus Super Series. Uh, Tom Sykes booking his place in Champions Week. Played very well um, as well on Saturday. I didn't see any of it. I just looked at the, some of the, the numbers. Um, looked to play some some decent stuff. Uh, also, going to be a, dub, a double, double start week in the Super Series. Some themed weeks coming along. Looking forward to them. Yeah. I mean, firstly, that's the performances we've been expecting from Tom Sykes. He played once before there. He won the belt match, but his overall performance in the Super Series, natural, if you like, didn't quite go to plan. He's, he's been talked up heavily from Yorkshire. He went to Q School. It didn't quite go to plan this year as well. Puts that behind him almost immediately and comes from an incredibly tough week, by the way. Let's not forget the quality of the players that were in that. We saw Tom Lonsdale impressed so, so well, not get out of his group. Connor Scott didn't make it out of a group. James Wilson went 10 from 10 in Group B, which is a tough feat to do with those players in there as well. So to bounce back from all of that and, and go on and win the overall week from, from Tom Sykes is absolutely brilliant. The double start, me and you have known about for a little while now. and yeah. We may know some more of the themes that have been banded <laughs> around, but for this one, really excited. Uh, some key points from that is it's it will move to best of five rather than best of seven matches. Double start. It is a standalone week, so it does not count towards any Champions Week uh, with, a, with a standard top prize for the player who wins it. Um, the field, the glimpses that I've seen looks really strong, really interesting. Um, we're going to see some, some good little battles and rivalries within that. Um, and it, it should be really good. And look, it helps better align the rest of the Super Series to avoid key dates or to fit it in within the calendar year. The hope is that at some point this would then push us to align that a Champions Week would finish before the World Championship starts and then we don't carry over from a week seven, have two weeks off over Christmas and start again on a week eight. You start again fresh with a week one or you can have a, a couple of weeks that are standalone weeks and avoid that nightmare that is Q school for the Super Series and, and start fresh where you know everybody that's going to be capable of performing in that series. So we don't get withdrawals from a Champions Week like we're going to see with Willie Borland and, and Chris Lamman and potentially some of the seniors players as well because the Seniors World Championships is the same weekend as Champions Week. Um, those spots then go down to the players who have the best averages in the finals uh, throughout the entire series. So not necessarily the players that lost to those players, the players who have the best averages in all of the 12 finals are put in a list and it goes down that list. Um, so, yeah, that is that. Also, we've got the Premier League playoff or the ex-Premier League playoff this weekend as well. All back to Milton Keynes for the not-so-important Masters anymore. Yeah. Part of this is an oversight by us forgetting that as also this weekend, but part of it also tells you how 
insignificant the Masters returns to be once we've had two stupid warm-up tournaments around the world and the Premier League starts before it, so we don't really care who wins the Masters uh, because they're not getting into the Premier League. I must admit, this year is the most unglamorous the Masters has ever felt because it's sandwiched between two Premier League nights. I'm not sure how much the big boys are really going to be interested in it. The fact that they've got to be in... just have two World Series. There's not even been a break. There's not, there's not been a weekend break. No. And the rest and, of the players don't play again on the Pro Tour until the 12th of February. But it's the fact that that those eight have to be in Cardiff. Or sorry, seven, because Littler's obviously not here. Got to be in Cardiff on Wednesday. Home Monday. Back in Berlin Wednesday. I'm not sure how interested these lot are going to be. No. Um, but anyway, the, the seeds that come in in round two, obviously... Uh, Luke Humphreys, Peter Wright, Nathan Aspinall, Gerwin Price, Michael Van Gerwen, Danny Noppett, Michael Smith and Rob Cross. Um, round one game, Stephen Bunting, Ross Smith, Johnny Clayton, Christoph Ratajski, Dirk Van Dijven, Boda, Ryan Searle, Joe Cullen, Josh Rock, Chris Dobie, Andrew Gilding, Chizzy against Shin Diggity, uh, Dimitri Vandenberg against James Wade and Damon Hetter against Gabriel Clements. Um, let's run through it then. What's going to do? We're not going to go in depth in it. Uh, yeah, it's on ITV and it is live. Uh, but before we do that, again, I know he listens and I know he's a friend of the show, but I don't care. Mace was a- exceptional with Emma as part of the Dutch start of Masters, a real, a, a real asset added to the World Series coverage. I thought he, Mace was sensational with some rascal shirts as well. That pool number was interesting. Yeah, oh, there was, but it was. I thought him. I thought the dynamic between him, him and Emma was superb. Really, it's really an, good. One that doesn't normally exist, does it? Look, Emma's normally yeah. on the Sky broadcast. Mace is obviously normally on the ITV. Yeah, for, for that to yeah, come yeah, together. First, the first time they've ever worked together, and it was it was brilliant. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's so, right. Uh, Bunting versus Ross Smith. Ridiculous matchup. Scoring power, Ross Smith. We'll be looking to not bounce back from last year, but put an early marker out this year. However, I'm going with my boy. Bunts. Bunting. I need to see the draw because all I've got is... A three, Bunting. Oh, there is the draw bracket. Um, uh, Yeah, in that case. Yeah. Uh, do you remember when I predicted a Stephen Bunting-James Wade final and they both lost in the semi-final? Yeah. It's happening again. They win. That's the final. <laughs> uh, I'm going Bunting as well. Uh. Clayton Ratajski. Ratajski. Clayton. For those listening back on audio, I did the Johnny Clayton finger point. <coughs> um, oh, is that, is that what that was? Yes. I'm interested in this next game. Dirk against Ryan Searle with new darts. I bet Dirk can't lift for sale starts with his shoulder at the minute, which is why I'm going for Ryan. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm I'm going for Ryan as well. Bingo. Clean sweep on Ryan. It is. Uh, this next game is just filth. Cullen against Rock. Josh Rock after a terrible 2023 that actually really wasn't that bad. It was probably better than Joe Cullen's. I'm still going, Joe. Joe. Mojo Joe. Joe. 
Doby against Gilding. Doby. 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 <laughs> Chisnell against Schindler. He's a doll winner TV title in 2023, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> 2023 is the last decade for you, boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wins this one, though. This, this game. I'm going for the wall. The wall. I, I can't believe I'm agreeing with Gob. I'm going for the wall as well. Uh, Dimitri against James Wade. Dimitri's back. Yeah, and I sort of just nailed my colours to the mask there by saying Wade would make the final, but that's a terrible matchup. Uh, I've still got to go Wade. It, it's on ITV. It's James Wade, and all the big boys can't be asked. It's the perfect time for him to do some serious wading and mop up. Clean up on aisle MK, please. I am going for Dimitri purely because James has been in Florida for the last three weeks, and I think there's going to be a lot of rust. Bugger. If you, if, you, if you check your social media platforms, God, you'd have seen this. I'm too busy. <laughs> uh, Damon Hetter against Gabriel Clements. <clears throat> How's Toy Barn will lose? Damo. <laughs> Damo. Once, go and compare it. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Um, <laughs> Toy so, Story 2. Yeah. Um, so from there, what are we saying? Who I want your semi-finalists for this one. <coughs> yeah, who does who does he play? Uh Joel Cullen. I'm just completely ignoring all the Premier League boys. Why not? And then bottom half. Uh, oh no. <laughs> I mean I've Got to have James Wade beating Chris Doby now, but uh, I quite fancy Doby after all that. <laughs> so I'll change him on. Wade's, Wade's not making the final. It's a bunting Doby final. Yeah, anyway, I still want your semi final. So you're Doby against Wade. I still back him to get that far, but I'm, I'm going him around earlier. Boise. Humphreys plays Tullen in the top half and I don't really fancy any of the eight in the bottom half unseeded, so MVG Pross. Uh, top half I'm going Humphreys. It's worrying that we're all picking Cullen. <clears throat> Yeah, and it's, a, it's not a nice draw at all. Playing Josh Roth and then Durbin Price is not no. a nice section of the draw no. at all. In the bottom half, I agree with you. Although I'm not sure MVG will be asked, I see him getting to the semi-finals a bare minimum from that segment of the draw. Because he will be motivated by the fact his best friend in the entire world just said he'll finish third in the Premier League. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he, he still wins it. Um. And then I think MVG plays again Rob Cross because I just don't think there's anyone to stop him in that bottom half. So winner and runner up from your cho chosen. Who did you have in the top half? Phil Tullen, no. 
Humphreys. Oh, so we got the same four. Yeah. Worrying times. <clears throat> um, I still think t- I'm doing for a full sweep on MVG this week. He wins the Premier League and the Masters, and he beats Joe Tullin in the final. Gob. The bird is the word. You can bunt in to win. Yes. He beats Chris Dorby. I thought he beat James Wade. I just said that. I backtracked the line. Dorby beats Wade in the semi. I know, yeah, but the start of the predictions, it was a bunt in Wade final. Yeah, well, this is poorly prepared because, like I said, we completely forgot the Masters existed. <laughs> um, <I'm> winging it. <laughs> I am going to go for... MVG to beat Luke Humphreys in the final. However, I could, I would quite like to see, I think, but Doby Cullen final would be decent again. Those two back in the final be all right. Um, there was. Romania on in the WDF this weekend. I'm not going to lie. I saw someone hit a nine data, but other than that, I didn't see anything of it. Uh, Graham. Mark. Mark, Mark Graham. Graham. Yeah, Graham, Graham, Graham. Yeah. Super Series, of course. Yeah, I, I don't play the Super Series. I remember he hit a nine data, but that was that was all I saw of Romania. I'm not um, up for you here at all. I didn't see any. No. No, so didn't see any of that. Um, to be fair, looking forward to the seniors because we'll get to see Mr. Duff. We haven't seen him for a while. Hi, if you're watching back, Neil. <laughs> yeah, it's the Dutch Open this week end as well. Uh, live on RTL in the Netherlands. So, have we missed anything else in a week of darts, boys? UK Open qualifiers. I didn't. I haven't seen much of it. Is the issue? I don't think anybody has, and and that's sort of the point of the conversation. Because once again, we are sitting here saying they are not fit for purpose. Yeah. When you're qualifying for a major major PDC tournament, there should be ways of looking at data. And seeing and tracking how people have done, I agree. Yeah. I still don't know who actually won in Victoria. I know Jensen well, the, Walker the, won. I think that was Coventry. Harry Gregory won. Did he win in London? So Jensen Walker, Harry Gregory, Ashley Tolman, and Harry Lane are the four qualifiers. Harry Lane was won in Victoria. Ashley won in Norwich. Norwich. Yeah, Harry Gregory's from up north. I just didn't know where he played. That was all. Yeah. But yeah, look, there isn't enough venues. They aren't spread out enough. There's clearly issues of running it. Jim Long left us on. So we played Friday, Saturday at the seniors. He'd already qualified, so went to play in the UK from qualifier on the Sunday. Read into London is 25 minutes on the train. Get across from Paddington to Victoria, another 20 minutes. Um, he could have done that journey eight times over before he played a game. Yeah, <laughs> hours between matches. Yeah, it's it's just not good, is it? No. 
like the, the, they've always had these sort of issues, but there are other venues that are far better equipped that even need to put it out to individual venues that need to prove they've got the capacity, the technology and the facilities to function and give them tender offers within regions or find an organisation such as the ADC to manage them on your behalf. As I say, just like the ADC do it, they've got regional ranking systems and everything and points and tournaments available to do it. I don't want any of that because then it's not a true open. The open has to be a complete random draw qualifier and any man and his dog can rock up to their closest one and earn their spot on TV. That magic of the UK Open has to remain. Anybody can go from scratch, never been there before, to playing against Michael Van Gerwen in the final. No. Yes. Yes. You do talk sense at time, Jack. Doesn't have to. Yeah, it does. During For COVID, truly amateur and open, it does. If you have any sort of seedings or rankings or you're picking players based on what they've done for 12 months, it's not an open. They're qualified for it. The the magic of the UK Open is that for six weekends in a row or four weekends in a row, me or you could travel there and earn our spot on TV out of nowhere. No, we couldn't. That's where you get the stories. That's where you get it. That's why it's so important. The, The open draw every round, once you get there, is brilliant. But Anybody can rock up at any point. Still go with the ADC. I'm not saying completely disregard them. They are the best equipped organization with the biggest reach across the country to go and facilitate these events. They've got technology. They've got tablets you can go and score off. All right, It's a different system to what the PDC are used to with Dark Connect. They use Darts Atlas. But they are well equipped with venues that hold vaults or regionals. Even if you want to regionalize qualifiers, right? So you have slightly smaller venues and somebody qualifies from each region. It's probably a fairer representation of the UK Open. And you could have all of your regions host one event. You can only go to one event within your region. There might be eight or nine of them, and then there'll be a finals, where the top eight go to a finals, and then that player then goes off. But there has to be open. Anybody has to be able to turn up at any point and do it. I've got no... Personally, I've got no problem with doing it off of ADC regional ranking tables and bolts personally but that's just me I don't if you're going to do that then you might as well just scrap the whole amateur purpose of it and just invite more from the challenge to a dev tour and a women's series I don't see an issue with that I, I, I'm pretty sure that that will happen in time anyway and then the, the magic of the UK Open is lost because for, me, the more... and for a lot of people because a lot of people well, yeah, I'm not arguing but the, the more and more Riley, the more and more Riley shut down that they're not fit for purpose yeah. And the more and more of them close, that will... It's an easy way out for the PDC to, to get rid yeah. of a headache that is these events. But to, to close shop on this one event, look, whether we like it or not, the sport may well be going more commercialised or whatever, but they still need to dangle carrots in front of you every man. It is This is still the one sport where I can rock up at Q School and turn myself into professional overnight with a good run. Right, you can but do yeah, that. I, I, but I, I, disagree, I disagree with that as well. So yeah, but they still need to dangle the carrot in front of people to prove that there is something for everybody within the PDC. They've got to inspire people to come and join them. <laughs> because otherwise, if they're only going to look after the top sixteen, what's the point? 
They've got stories like Rob Cross sat there. They've got people like Ashley Coleman that's just qualified. Ashley Coleman qualified, said it starts at the UK Open. Went to Challenge stories. He's played with the darts ref on stream, obviously. The first thing Rob Cross did was interact with it. You get these stories from people going and doing things. Paul Hogan, who we talked about earlier, beating Gary Anderson. Corey Cadby all the way in the, in the beast from the East year when Rob Owen and Dave Pallett are making semi-finals. Yeah, but they were like, two card holders. They were, but you still get stories like this, don't you? Own it at the UK Open because it is so vast and so open. Aiden Turt. Aiden Turt. And Peter Rod. Been man in the country. Yeah. And he hasn't played for 10 years. We they're you still all... need the element of the UK Open for it to be. Oh, the open I agree with, but I'm saying it wrong. Those stories are great and they live long in the memory, but they are getting less and less. Gen genuinely, when, when was the last big story like that we had at the UK Open? Because I can't remember one off the top of my head. We're all talking about stuff that is old. Louis Williams? Fallon as a UK Open qualifier? Yeah, qualified, cheated, yeah, qualified, but then, but no, I'm talking about the stories at the actual UK Open, the big ones that you're talking about. The stories at the UK Open, not getting there. Once they're there, when was the last time we had a huge? Williams made the fifth round as a qualifier. Not huge, huge, but there are still stories. There's still an element of that, and if you take away the opportunity for those stories to be there, you'll never get one. And then we get the same eight players from the Premier League getting protection from somewhere. The beauty of the UK Open is it is so open and you get these stories. If you close the shop to those stories, you don't get them at all. Just because they haven't happened for a couple of years doesn't mean you should remove the opportunity completely. Because if one of those happens every year, then they're not as beautiful anymore. It becomes the norm. It's, it's the fact that we haven't had one for five years and we can have one in six weeks' time that could be Harry Gregory or Jensen Walker or Ashley Coleman, who went to Q School, plays with a YouTube streamer, has just signed a deal with a manufacturer and could make his way to the fifth round of the UK Open all within six weeks. That, that's, that's a fairy tale you don't get in life apart from in sport. He's done it a completely different way to everybody else. If, if that makes mainstream TV and he starts winning games, that's a huge story. I just don't... I don't it's not think great for us because it's another YouTube channel, but it's still a huge story. That same bloke that rhymes. <laughs> we don't talk about him anymore. <laughs> yeah, he's half Charlotte. Well, yeah. Um, but uh, to be fair, though, I genuinely can see that the the way it is now dying off soon and going back to the way it was during the COVID year. I genuinely can. Might be able to see it, but it would be a damning shame on a tournament that is so well highly regarded by fans alike. Yeah, I, I just think that, like you say, because I think Riley's is just getting worse and worse. And then once that is dead, that could be the end. Because it, would, I, I'm... it would be a damn shame if they didn't look to negotiate or put... Because like, look, the reason that Riley still exists in that, in that situation is, A, there's an ease of having that partnership for so long and the establishment of Riley's 15, 20 years ago. But actually, there must be some sort of commercial sense to that deal as well for the for the PDC. Right, somebody will have to replace that commercial value to them. But let's hope it's with protection of 
the element that Lee Boyce tomorrow could go and qualify for the UK Open and play on TV. Yeah, I've seen him throw darts. Not fucking. I was going to say, I know, I know, Boyce doesn't gamble anymore. I'll let you write a better slip out, Gob, and I'll give you as many noughts on the end of it as you want. Me and him are going to get training. Let's get down to business to defeat the Huns. We're going on an epic Disney training montage for the next six months. Okay, so you say that. Name me someone else that has the venues all the way across the country that can provide that opportunity. There isn't. Pop world. <laughs> yeah. Yes. What a boy. But, right. By the way, but there isn't. Right. Apart from Riley's, there isn't another organisation that has venues all the way across the country. Not as many. There are other sports bar chains. Yeah, but well, this, 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 this is half the issue that we're saying that there is. Like, look at where those qualifiers are. There was nothing in Wales, nothing in Northern Ireland. Dan was no, saying the closest the one ADC, to him. All we're asking from the ADC is to go and manage one-off qualifiers because it gives the ADC a platform to yeah, legitimise their name as well. Because as far as we know, they're not very accepting. They're not very open to. If the PDC were going to work with the ADC, it would sort of happen by now, in terms of acknowledging them as a pathway. But they've got their dev tour, their challenge tour, and whatever, so they're quite happy. But if they can get the ADC to provide qualifiers, I, but that's this is the thing that I don't think the PDC will want to work with any other organisation, like as in darting no, organisation. Like I said, it would still be a shame. You can't say right, we're going to scrap qualifiers. It's the beauty of the UK Open. It always has and always will be. The minute that's gone, we will sit here the year after that, going, it's not the same. It already doesn't feel the same with a number of challenge tour and women's series and players qualifying from last year's positions. Don't get me wrong, they deserve a shot, and the PDC has to do something to keep those guys chasing towards the back end of the year when finishing one and two on order of merits wasn't capable to get you a tour card. But yeah, there just has <laughs> to be some sort of involvement. Um, uh, all stars only exist in the South, Jamie, but like various, so all stars exist in the South, spot on Q Sports exists in the Midlands. There's five or six of them around there. So a lot of them have been brought out, but chains that have been regionalised, you could go to individual chains or or companies. Like I said, you'd have to put a tender offer out or they'd have to apply to be the host venue. There will be venues around the country that can host oh, yeah. that individual, number of players. Yeah, individual venues, they can, but there's no... Put together there's, there's, there's to no be that. Like Riley's that can do it now. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. There's, there's, there's no individual company that covers the whole of the UK that can do it. If Riley's no. goes. But the PDC also have a marketing manager, a commercial manager, six social media team, and God knows what else behind them. If they wanted to put the legwork in to go and find somebody who is more suitable to the task at hand. There was a very there was a very big two-letter yeah, word in there. Yeah, big if, but <laughs> big if <laughs> they've already ruined the Grand Slam. Do not go and ruin the UK Open. Ruin the Grand Slam, in your opinion? In everybody's opinion. <laughs> Look at Boise. <laughs> uh, um, right. Oh, host it yourselves. 
Host it yourselves. Just go and hire the Marshall Arena Rico, etc. Go and put on effectively Q School one day shots. Put one in Milton Keynes, one in Wigan. Go and host open qualifiers. Yeah. Right. Look, look, look at the calendar. Look at the PDC calendar right now and tell me when they could fit that in with Bahrain, Q School, Dutch Darts Masters, Premier the same League. Same way they fit challenge tours and women's series and dev tours in when they're playing pro tours or they're abroad or they've got majors on. They've got multiple staffing teams. They ain't got a choice. They don't need markers. It's a self-mark tournament. Like one, they need four board officials and the set-up and take-down team who are different had, to the team. We've had one stadium. challenge tour weekend, right? Because they have to. There's nothing else. Because there's no they room. Can, if you do it throughout the year, you know you you know they do. They do it in the women's series when they're abroad. You might oh, have some here throughout the year. Throughout the year, yes. However, in this window that you've got from Q School to when the UK Open is, you've got no chance of them fitting it in themselves. You'd they have could. to change the qualifying window. They could with enough planning power. They're big enough. And well, I agree for that. If they change it, but what I'm saying is, in the current structure between when Q School finishes. And when the UK Open is, they've got no chance of doing it themselves. Not- I disagree. They're just very unlikely to because it's effort. And again, it comes down to how much effort they're prepared to go through to keep the essential part of the UK Open, which is it starts at the ground level. It's the FA Cup. If they stop letting in non-league t- sides to the FA Cup, you'd be living. If they closed it off to make it the League Cup all over again. It's the beauty of that. Even if they only make third or fourth round, somebody is living their dream in that position. 100%. It has to be an avenue. It has to be a route. Somebody, somewhere, has to step up either way. Either the PDC themselves or a third-party provider to provide those qualifiers. But all we know right now is the Riley's events just don't work. (laughs) It's been a pain in the ass for a number of years. Hell, I've ran it for two years in Nottingham. I know how difficult it is. With facilities that are provided or, or lack of communication or information or or whatever else that goes around with it or huge entries fees or huge entry numbers, a format that some players are playing because it's the UK Open that are going to average 50 and hold up the entire tournament. Right? That that happens. But you need bigger and better venues to be able to deal with that so that it's done in a conducive and, and timely manner. Uh, right. Question time is open, everyone. Get your questions in. Whilst, whilst we're doing that, Boy, see, um, see your um prize wing has been been a naughty boy again. Dark child, Philip. Dark child. <laughs> look, look, it looked like he had a great night in Belfast. Dark child, Philip. <laughs> Between that and Gob losing his manager and on their best centre half cast out today as well. Uh, yeah, but all I know is Anthony's the greatest. So let's move on. <laughs> That's what the crowd was singing. Star chow, Jen. Star chow. What ten player? Um, what players in the top ten will still have tour cards in ten years? All of them but one. One, two, three, 
four, five. Oh my god, it's two minutes to ten and I've only just opened darts rankings. What's going on? I'm going only potentially six of the current top Nine. ten. Nine. Humphreys? Yes. I think MVG would have left by then in ten years' time. Yeah. I don't. I don't. Um, Michael Smith, Nathan Aspinall. I think Gerwin Price would have walked away in ten, by ten years. Cross, yeah. Nopper. Price um, Wright will have gone. I think Clayton will have gone in 10 years. And there's a chance that Chisnell has as well. Yeah. Johnny Clayton is 50. That's what I mean. Yeah. So, only five or six for me. Nine. Peter Wright's done. I think Johnny Clayton will still be playing at 60 years old on the Pro Tour. I don't think Price will still be playing in 10 years either. I, I think, think we'll see Price for five or six years tops. Yeah. In, uh, if Price is playing beyond 2030, I'll be surprised. Yeah. Yeah, Clayton is 50. It's easy to it's easy to come out with the statements yeah. of I'm going to retire early or I'm going to move yeah. away from the sport. But, but what else do you do yeah. in that meantime? Johnny Clayton's 49, sorry. sorry Some Johnny. of them are multi-millionaires, so they can do whatever the fuck they want. Going Price <laughs> has got a property business. Like A lot yeah. of them have been clever with their wealth. But as much as we say this about Derwin Price, like, as much as, yeah, and Derwin Price isn't playing right now because he needs the money. Derwin Price is playing right now because he's a competitive person and one of the most competitive people in sports, considering he's moved from different sports to don't be the best in another one. I don't, I, Derwin Price is still playing this sport in 10 years' time. Look, he might still be playing in some capacity, but is that as a tour card holder? No. Yeah. Yeah. No. He might be doing exhibitions or whatever else there might be some sort of it's not competitive like it might, it's it played... might be a private Premier League for all we know which you get some sort of kick out of but um so that was that one um any news on the products at the target launch tomorrow not a clue um I, I can't even guess at who it is Asp Asp's got a new shirt we saw that which, yesterday. Which is really nice, to be fair. I like, I like, I like new shirt. After we sat there last week and slagged all of the regular. Yeah, it's just one of them. It's just one of them. Which, if he's got one, it probably means everybody's due one. Or a lot of them will be due one. Doby was a mid-season signing, so he'll be sticking around. But you suspect a lot of them might be getting upgrades. I like Aspinall's new shirt. However, the pose he made for a sponsor on Friday very much brought back the feeling of Aaron Lennon moving to Everton. Because there was just no smile at all in that photo, <laughs> whatsoever. Uh, yeah, you suspect like, Taylor's last year. If he doesn't have something new this year, I'll be staggered. I know he had new darts just in time for. Um, he played with them in York last year. Yeah, they were part of that launch that came a couple of weeks later, weren't they? But it was the only chance he was going to get to showcase them until February. Wouldn't surprise me if he's had something else new since then. If he's going at it for one more year, if he's got some yeah. sort of legacy shirt, his last year he had all his titles on the back or something, didn't he? He had everything written on there. So, um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise if there is some sort of Taylor move tomorrow. Uh, it's definitely not the K-Flex. They're not due until March. <coughs> no. 
uh, but they might have some upgrades on styles or casings or, or something. <laughs> Didn't haven't they got their um? There might be an update on effectively their Scolia system. Possibly, yeah. Starts from home. Um, someone asked Bob. Um, right. So the way the Premier League fixtures are done, week eight and week sixteen, the fixtures are done on their league positions. So week eight and week fifteen, one will play eight, two, seven, and so on. That's which is how right. you end up with three weeks in a row of the same fixtures. Yeah, like last year. Yeah. Um, weren't the final two weeks identical? Yeah, something like that. Uh, I don't, Adam. I don't believe Fallon is going to any no. Do you think we'll see more green shirts once MVG retires? Possibly. It's a good point, isn't it? He sort of owns the colour. Well, same as Chizzy, yellow. Yeah. I mean, Scott Williams plays in yellow, but he's always played in yellow anyway. Like, Yeah. And I'm not being funny. Picking a, nicking a colour off Dave Chisnell is a little less yeah. disrespectful, but it's easier to justify if you go above him. If you wear green, you're copying Van Gerwen because it's been his colour for 15 years. And you then get, if you're the, the thing is, if there's two or three that all go green at the same time, it's fine. But if only one person goes green, all you get is compared to the other guy in green. And that ain't good for anybody. Yeah. Mind you, more and more players are doing the coloured shirts depending on where they're playing. Smithy did it again this weekend. Luke did it again this weekend. Peter deliberately wore orange. Yeah. I think we're going to see an awful lot of that in the Premier League. I think that Price will go green for Ireland again. I think Smithy's V will go green for... Yeah. I think that's just something that more and more players are going to do. Yeah. Which which words, if you are one or two doing it, when everyone's now following the trend, it then loses what is potentially trying to happen. As we've seen with Peter Rose being an example, he's still done mind. it most time, last, got... most time last year, but he's still booed at these games. I, I think it's all right if you've got a specific theme shirt, like Price's American one was literally all America yeah. and his Ireland shirt had the clovers over it and stuff like that. But when you're just changing an element of the shirt, if it's a completely different shirt, I get it. Just changing one element i.e. the colour of something on the existing shirt. I'm kind of with you. Um, no, uh, Jamie, the, the two-division Premier League will never happen. Ne- Two reasons. One, there is absolutely no protection to their top boys having a stinker and then not being included the following year because two divisions would have to imply promotion and relegation and you're not wildcarding them straight back in. Um, and two, it just takes away attention from the top one. Yeah. It, it does. It do, wouldn't guarantee that someone would have to be relegated from a positional point. You could do it that you top four in your world and whoever won division two would guarantee the spot. So you had five guaranteed spots and three. But they'd never do it anyway because um, commercially it's not beneficial.
All right. Any more before we go? Steve asks, how well will Dom Taylor do? I think, he'll do well. I, think he'll, I think he'll do well. All about his first year and how quickly he settles, isn't it? We've seen that from a number, number of other players in similar sorts of positions. Um, you get two-year crack at it, but making a big impact early is quite important. I'm interested to see what the expected cutoff for the tour card is with the Euro Tour rule changes. Because it's not going to be as high. It shouldn't be, but I don't. I think it, it takes us two to three years before yeah. we see the true impact of that. I said that before, I've known that. Yeah. I think we'll see a big divide between the 32 and the rest of everybody else. I think 60, 33 downwards will be a lot closer. Um, which makes it more competitive to, to keep your card effectively at 64. Yeah. Um, what's your opinion on Carl Walker? Top shagger? <laughs> You've had a terrible week, haven't you? Former Spurs right back in trouble. Former Spurs owner in trouble. Your idol and hero and run the show in the WWE. Much in trouble. <laughs> Oh, he's fucked. <laughs> <laughs> You've had a dreadful week, Mr. Bars. Vin, Vin, and then Michael Van Gogh will finish third in the Premier League. Vin, Vince is fucked. <laughs> Too fair, though, the Kyle Walker thing is like something off of Jeremy Kyle that only a Premier League footballer could do. It is just... It's a mental video. <laughs> it is. It's funny when you look at it. Look, obviously, it's not nice for the families and stuff like that, but it is hilariously funny watching it. Someone saying I've not been told to be here. He's certainly been told to be there. Yeah, yeah 100%. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing this um, of my own accord. Anyone who says I'm doing this of my own accord means they're not doing it of their own accord. Uh, did you see the Twitter account update about Peter Rice? Yeah, I did. Look, it, it is what it is. Um, it's not a particularly good look, I don't think, but it, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, um, so plenty coming up. Obviously, Premier League returns. We've got some really good interviews coming out in the next couple of days. Obviously, we've had Nathan and Michael Smith go out today. Tomorrow, we are going to have Peter Wright and Luke Littler and then Vincent van der Voort Wednesday morning. All I'm saying is it's good. That was one of the main reasons for the Hollands because Vincent was there. That will be out Wednesday. Morning. We will have a fallout bar on Thursday um, as well after the action in Cardiff. Um, that returns. So all good. Um, this will be available as an audio only as of the morning. I will edit it tonight. So that is all good. But gentlemen, have we missed anything before we sign off? Just while you're editing in, make sure you listen out to the Premier League predictions and the right amount as none of us did. Yeah, and I will do. <laughs> That's it from me. Um, but everyone, thank you very, very much as always. Um, superb show. Thank you very much. I mean, Phil Bars, Jack Garwood, 
and Lee Boyce. That is us signing out for another week. Like I say, Live Land returns next week, and we will see you all very, very soon. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.